Reading this morning comes from Acts chapter 10, verses 1 to 23. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian Regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? he asked. The angel answered, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the the tanner whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. He told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat, and while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals, as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. They called out, asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you, so get up and go downstairs Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Peter went down and said to the men, I'm the one you're looking for. Why have you come? The men replied, We have come from Cornelius the centurion. He is a righteous and God-fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to ask you to come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. Then Peter invited the men into the house to be his guests. The next day, Peter started out with them, and some of the believers from Joppa went along. This is the word of the Lord. Would you uh, please pray with me as we ask God's Holy Spirit to come and speak to us, speak through me, speak to each one of us, and have his way in in challenging us and changing us and doing all that he wants. How about we pray? Father, good morning once again. We thank you that you're here among us. Holy Spirit, you're the same Holy Spirit that fell on the day of Pentecost and inflamed your people with holy fire. As we come to your word, Inflame our hearts. Fill us with your spirit afresh. 
capture our hearts to love Jesus with all our being, to receive his love afresh, to rejoice in the salvation and the forgiveness we have and the eternity that we have. Our Father, we worship you again. We love you and praise you. Lord Jesus, you're the best. Your life, your truth, your hope, your everything. Help us to enjoy you and your presence and delight in hearing your word that brings life and light and healing and freedom and power for the glory and honor of our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Today uh, our talk is called The Message of Jesus is for Everyone. The message of Jesus is for everyone. I want to mainly focus on this Gentile army commander and his household who got saved and how this event led to a revolution which changed the world. Now, this amazing army commander named Cornelius, is not from a movie, but from the Bible. A true story of an army commander who was a powerful man, number one, number two, a religious man, and number three, a needy man. There are so many things in Acts chapter 10 that we can speak about, but I want to mainly focus on Cornelius and these three main things about him. Firstly, Cornelius was a powerful man. He was a Roman centurion who belonged to the greatest empire and the greatest army. He was a military commander commanding troops anywhere from a hundred to a number of hundred men. A person When he's appointed to be a commander, he was appointed because of his bravery, loyalty, character, and greatness in combat leadership. The Roman centurion were also well-paid, held in high esteem, and uh, wealthy, powerful, and had a lot of prestige. And so they had a lot of influence in society. So Cornelius was that man. He was that type of a man who had all these things going for him. He was not a weak man. He was not a poor man, but was a powerful man, strong physically, positionally, socially, with influence, wealth, and prestige. Some people would think being spiritual or having faith is for the weak, or for the poor, for the needy. But that was not Cornelius. He had so much going for him. Secondly, Cornelius was a very religious man. In Acts chapter 10, we have a long list how religious he was. 
I want to briefly give you seven things about how religious he was. Number one, he rejected his own gods. He was a Roman, and the Roman believed in many gods, like Apollo, uh, Jupiter, and Mars, the god of war. I meant among so many other gods. To not believe in Mars, who's the god of war, was thought to be treason and to bring bad luck to the troops and defeat in battle. But despite all that, Cornelius went against the flow and he left all the Roman gods to follow the one true God of the Jews. Number two, he was devout, the Bible says in verse two, that he had a deep religious commitment to God that was real. He was no mediocre. He was 100% committed religiously to God. Number three, it says he feared God with all his household. It means he worshipped and reverenced God genuinely and led his family to also worship and reverence God. Number four, it says he gave alms generously to those in need. In other words, he was a man that had compassion and kindness towards others. Number five, it says he prayed daily to God. How about that? A non-Jew praying three times a day like the Jews would, totally committed to praying to God, to pleasing God. Number six, it says he had a good reputation among all the people. And specifically, he was respected by the Jews for his prayer and charity. Can you imagine? A Gentile Roman commander being praised by Jews who thought of them as their enemies. But yet, they couldn't help but respect and praise this man for his religious commitment and his devotion and his generosity and his faith in action. Number seven, he was also, and most importantly, praised by God, who sent him an angel to tell him, Cornelius, your prayers and arms have ascended as a memorial before God. Wow. Imagine that happening. What a testimony that God says of Cornelius. What a man. What a great testimony. Now, when was the last time you had a visit from an angel? Besides when Ange visits you, because Ange is the angel. As you can see, this list shows that Cornelius was a very religious and an exceptional good man, committed to God. Many of us would say, and many people out there, would say that this guy is definitely going to heaven. He's definitely saved because of his religious devotion and good works, but not according to God's word. That's not what God's word would say. That's not what God would say. Even though Cornelius was an exceptional 
religious man. Yet God said he still needed something else by which he must be saved. There was something else that Cornelius needed to hear to be saved. And this brings us to our third point. Thirdly, Cornelius was a needy man. Cornelius, having had all these things, was still a needy man. Powerful, having all things, very religious, doing everything right, yet he still was a needy man. Friends, after going through his CV, it seemed Cornelius had it all. Sounds like a song. But he did not. And God shows us clearly in this text we're about to read that his greatest need was the need to be saved from his sins. The need to be forgiven, to be made right with God, to know God. And this is where it is. In Acts 11, verse 14, we are told what Cornelius needed. In this verse, speaking about Peter, the angel says to Cornelius, he says, this Peter that was coming to see you, he will bring you a message through which you and all your household will be saved. What you need, Cornelius, is to hear the good message, the message of the gospel, the good news of Jesus. You need to hear about him, and you will be saved. Clearly, being very religious and doing good works does not save you from your sins. It does not cleanse your sins. It does not make you right with God. It doesn't save you. Most examples of, of conversion in the book of Acts were religious people who, after they heard the good news and put their faith in Jesus, that they were saved, that they became believers in Christ. And that is why Cornelius was still told by God that he needed to hear the good news of Jesus in order to be saved. Because being religious and doing good works, while admirable, but by themselves, clearly the Bible teaches us they do not save you. Otherwise, Jesus would not have come and died as a sacrifice for our sins on the cross. You must respond in faith to what Jesus has done and follow him as your Lord and Savior, and you will be saved. In Romans, it tells us how. It says in Romans 3.20, God says, by the works of the, the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. No matter what or how much we do and obey laws and regulations and be in good works and be religious, we cannot be made right with God depending on those works. In Ephesians 2.8, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, and that gift is Jesus, lest anyone should boast. 
These passages, friends, they apply to Jews who are religious and do good works and to Gentiles or any Gentile, non-Jew, who is religious and does good works and to any one of us. We are Gentiles, we're non-Jews here, unless there are some here who are Jewish. So God speaks to Cornelius through an angel, says to him, your prayers, your arms have come up as a memorial. They, They mean a lot to me. Therefore, send for Peter, who will tell you the good news to be saved. Cornelius, like a good commander, he knows how to take orders. He quickly obeys the orders of the king of kings, the greatest commander of all. And at the same time, God commands Peter to go to Cornelius and share the good news with him. Amazing! Just how wonderful our God is, how he works behind the scenes in your life, in my life, in the lives of people to bring them to the one who is life, who is love, who is life in all that it means. Now, Peter struggled big time when God spoke to him about not eating food that is unclean. And as we look at that, it's not really about food, but it's about not calling those who are non-Jews unclean. And then Peter was told to go to the Gentiles' house, whom according to the Old Testament is forbidden. As a Jew, you do not go to a Gentile's house. You don't enter because you'll get contaminated. You'll become sinful. Because you see, the Gentiles were ritually unclean for not observing the Jewish dietary laws uh, commanded in the law of Moses. Gentiles were also seen as dirty, second-class citizens, and sinful. And to hang out with them is a no-no. You see, Peter also struggled because most Jews thought salvation is only for them. The Gentiles could not be considered as being saved unless, maybe, unless they first convert through doing rituals commanded by Judaism. Peter must have been shocked when he opened the door to see these Gentile servants and a soldier at his house. What do you do? This is against the law. This is against my belief. Well, let's pick it up in verse 21. Peter went down and said to the men, I'm the one you're looking for. Why have you come? The men replied, we've come from Cornelius the centurion. Verse 23. Then Peter invited, this is the word, Peter invited the men into the house to be his guests. That's revolutionary. That's amazing what's happening here. That does not occur. That shouldn't happen. God is doing something powerfully in the life of Peter. And it says inviting them, the word to invite as your guest back in the Middle East wasn't just to give you a place in the, uh, somewhere where you keep the animals and see you later. It is to invite you into their home and to feed you and to entertain you 
and to welcome you and to make you feel as one of the family. That's Middle Eastern hospitality. It was not just party pies. Verse 23 continues. The next day, Peter started out with them, and some of the believers from Joppa went along with him. Now, this is interesting. Firstly, um, yeah, he's been told to go to these Gentiles. He takes six believing Jewish brethren with him. I believe somehow he knew he needed support, he needed witnesses. This is something amazing about to happen. This is real cutting-edge stuff. And you see, the believers and Peter were in Joppa. And now they're going with the message to the Gentiles. And yet, it reminds me of hundreds of years ago. There was a man, a prophet named Jonah, who was given a message to go to the Gentiles of Nineveh. And it says he went to Joppa, but he caught a ship and he went to the opposite direction and refused to take the message to the Gentiles. Here we have Peter in Joppa. God saying to him, take this message to the Gentiles. And this time Peter says, yes, sir. Verse 24. The following day he arrived at Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting him and had called together his relatives and close friends. Can you imagine Middle Eastern Paul and his family and close friends? Full of the church here. What a zeal for the things of God. What a love for people and how zealous and caring that he wanted his family, his friends, his neighbors to come and hear God's word, hear the good news by which they can be saved. Not just him. Cornelius not just wanted to be saved by himself. He wanted others he loved and cared about to hear the word of God and be saved. We need Cornelius's. How many of your family and friends have you shared the gospel with? Do they know you follow Jesus? Do they know the life and forgiveness that Christ has given you? I know that many times we fear to share our faith because we don't want to offend our family and friends and, and we don't want to lose our friendship. But we need to come to a place that we're willing to risk losing and offending so that they may be saved, so that they would not perish but have eternal life, so that one day in eternity they will not be saying, I knew Millard and he never told me about this place. He never told me about the Savior who could save me. Verse 25, as Peter entered the house of Cornelius, uh, as he entered the house, Cornelius met him. He fell at his feet in reverence. But Peter made him get up, stand up, he said. I'm only a man myself. Let us never worship men. Verse 27, while talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. No COVID. 
Verse 28. He said to them, You are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate or visit a Gentile. It is against our law. It's against my belief. It's against my religion. It's against my conscience. What I'm doing right now. Please understand that, Cornelius. But, but God, but God, but God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. What a revelation. What a powerful thing to say. Guys, as Gentiles, you know we think of you as dirty and dogs and unclean. But God said, I'm wrong. God said, I should never do that. I should never think of you this way. I should never look at you this way. Verse 29, so when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. May I ask you, Cornelius, why you sent for me? Here Peter confesses that he thought of the Gentiles as unclean, unacceptable to God. But God has changed him. Verse 30, Cornelius answered, you know, Peter, three days ago, I was in my house praying at this hour. At three in the afternoon, suddenly a man in shining clothes stood before me and said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayers and remembered your gifts to the poor. God forgets nothing that you do for him. Nothing. Verse 32. Send to Joppa, he told me, for Simon, who is called Peter. He is a guest in the home of Simon the Tanner, who lives by the sea. Verse 33. So I went for you immediately. I went, I sent for you immediately. And it was good of you to come. It was good of you to come. It is good of you when you go to people with the gospel. Now, we are all here in the presence of God. You know what we want to do, Peter? We're here to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. We're here to listen. And to listen is not just to hear, but it is to hear and to do whatever God says we ought to do. And that's the type of believers we ought to be. Then Peter began to speak, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism. God does not show favoritism. God does not differentiate whether you're true blue or true white or true gray or true green or Jew or Gentile. He doesn't show favoritism. He loves us all the same. We're all equal in his eyes. But he accepts, accepts from every nation the one. He accepts, he accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. Here Peter is not saying to Cornelius, you're already a right with God. He's not saying that and that you don't need to become a Christian. And yet I believe that anyone who fears the Lord and does what Cornelius does in praying and seeking, I believe God, it moves the heart of God. It moves the Spirit of God and does whatever 
to send you people who will tell you about him and how to be saved. But what Peter was saying is that now the Gentiles do not feel, do not need to be excluded from God. They are not excluded from God just because they are not Jews. For God accepts all people. For God accepts all people, not Jews only, but non-Jews as well, from all nations. And he goes on to say, it's those who accept Jesus Christ. Peter finally got what Jesus meant, got what Jesus told him when he commanded him before he left for heaven in the Great Commission, go into Peter. Peter and disciples, he said, go into all the world, preach the gospel, make disciples of all nations, of all nations, the penny dropped for Peter. That's what our Jesus commanded us. He got what, he, what Jesus meant in Acts 1.8 when he says to Peter and to the disciples, you shall be my witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Peter got the message. The message of Jesus is for everyone. How awesome. Peter understood now that the good news is for Gentiles and Jews. It is also for all. He says God does not show favoritism. In other words, whether you are Jew or Gentile, Greek or Roman, slave or free, man or woman, red, yellow, black or white, Peter is saying we are all precious in his sight. And if we come through Jesus by faith, we will be saved. Friends, we too must not show favoritism or prejudice. We must not exclude people whom God has not excluded. Peter and the others learned that lesson, which we must learn again and never forget. I must repent continually of my favoritism, of my racism. We are all sinful people, friends. We all think we're better than others. We all, in a way or another, exclude others, even in church. We judge by color, by race, by academics, by social, by looks. And we are not better than when Peter was. And we need to continually say, God, change my heart. Keep my eyes open. Not to exclude anyone, but to love all, to care about all, and to share with all. Later on, the Apostle Paul would write to the Gentiles in Ephesus, Ephesians 2.14, and he would say this. (laughs) What a beautiful verse. For Christ himself, has brought peace to us. He united Jew and Gentiles into one people when in his own body on the cross he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. What a verse. 
What a powerful word and a powerful truth. Jesus died on the cross. And by his precious blood united all who were separated from him by faith in him. Jew and Gentile. Friends, we are family in Christ. There is no Lebanese, there is no Chinese, there is no Australianese. There's only heavenlies. We are one in Christ. Your nationality will mean nothing in heaven. It's only Christ in you, the hope of glory. Verse 36, Peter continues, says, Cornelius, you know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. Announcing good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. Let me tell you, peace with God only comes through Jesus Christ. Cornelius, it doesn't come through being powerful, having all that you have. It doesn't come, Cornelius, by being religious and doing all those things. It comes through faith in Jesus Christ. And let me tell you, he is Lord of all. Peter powerfully declares that Jesus is God. And not only that, he says he's Lord of all. He's God of the Jews and God of the Gentiles and God of everybody. Verse 37, you see, Cornelius, you know what, was, what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee and after the baptism Jordan that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil, because God was with him. Now, verse 39, Cornelius, we are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews. We saw it, we heard it, we touched it. And in Jerusalem, they killed him by hanging him on the cross. But you know what happened, Cornelius? God raised him from the dead and on the third day and caused him to be seen. Cornelius, let me tell you, Rome killed him, but Rome could not keep him in the grave. They hanged him, but he rose from the dead. He defeated Rome, he defeated sin, and he rose. He is God and he is Savior, and he was seen by us. Verse 41, he was not seen by all people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen by us, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. Cornelius, we saw him. He rose from the dead. This is no ordinary man. This is no ordinary prophet. He is God. He defeated death. He defeated hell. He rose again. We saw him. We touched him. We ate food with him. He was physically resurrected, and he is Lord of all. He is real, Cornelius. He is the one, verse 42. And you know what he did? He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. Friends, Jesus commands all who follow Jesus to share this good news. Jesus is Lord of all. He's the judge of all. It's through him that people will be judged, whether they go to heaven or go to hell, whether they will be saved 
or they will be perished. He is the judge, which means he is God. No one else will judge you. It will not be Peter. It will not be Paul. It will not be Mary. It will not be the Pope. Jesus, and only Jesus. Verse 43. You see, Cornelius, all the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Can I tell you, Cornelius, not some, not just Jews, but everyone, everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Peter says to Cornelius, the Old Testament prophets taught that, that the Messiah would be that, would be the judge. And Jesus is that Messiah. And everyone who believes in him will be saved, not just Jews. And so, Cornelius, it's not just by being religious or doing good works. It's by believing in Jesus that your sins are forgiven. Oh, Cornelius, we know you're good. We know you've done a lot, right? But it's through Jesus. Forgiveness is in Jesus. 44, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The Jewish believers who had come with Peter were astonished, gobsmacked, that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles, even on the non-Jews. Wow! Can you believe it? God loves them too. God is saving them too. God is bringing them into the family with us as well. We thought we're the best, the chosen the superior, the cleanest. But they heard them speaking with tongues and praising God. He, Peter, preaches the gospel, death, burial, resurrection of Jesus. As a result, Cornelius and his household, they believe in Jesus. They surrender to Jesus. Holy Spirit fills them, empowers them, and they are filled with praises and worship to God. And these Jews are looking in astonishment. What's happened? What happened to us at Pentecost is now happening here as well. Friends, this was a second Pentecost. But this time, it was for the non-Jews. Peter, being in absolute astonishment, in joy maybe, he was raptured, he couldn't believe what's happening. You know, he says, he goes to them in verse 47, surely, he says probably to the Jews, surely as he's looking at them, just in case they're criticizing, surely no one can stand in the way of them being baptized with water. Surely no one can do that. Surely God has accepted them. Surely they are believers. Surely they are saved. Cornelius, you're saved. Your household is saved. And guess what? You get baptized. So they received the Holy Spirit. He ordered them to, to be baptized in the name of Jesus. If you're a believer, if you're a follower of Jesus, haven't been baptized, he orders you to be baptized. Wow. What an amazing event. Peter did something that had never been done. He entered the house of Gentiles, large gathering. He preached the gospel. They got saved, filled with the Spirit, praising God, and they get baptized into the family of God. Jew and Gentile, one in God, full of one Spirit, worshipping Him. Wow! Here Peter, the leader of the Jerusalem Apostle, used by God to open the door to the Gentile, to the non-Jews. And Cornelius and his household become the first non-Jews to enter into the household of God in that way in the early church. After this unbelievable event, 
that the Jerusalem church were checking it out. Couldn't believe it. They're still thinking, what's happening? But as they checked it out, they came with one voice and they said, and they concluded, you know what, Peter, God has also granted to the Gentiles repentance to life. We receive them. We accept them. Go for it. From then on, friends, the gospel broke loose like wildfire. It spread to all nations and turned the world upside down, Jew and Gentile. And as I finish and wrap this in a few seconds, let me say, whether you are powerful or not, whether you're like Cornelius, that powerful and have it all, or weak and fragile, whether you are very religious, do a lot of great good works, or you don't do anything at all. You're not religious, you're atheist. Let me tell you what God is saying to you this morning. All people are needy, and their greatest need is to be saved, is to have their sins forgiven by Jesus, is to receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior so that they would not perish but have eternal life. And he is the one who will make all of us who are unclean with sin to become clean by his precious blood, cleansed and forgiven, made right with God, accepted by God, holy unto him, filled with his spirit, becoming his child. And lastly, we must never exclude anyone by not sharing the gospel, the good news of Jesus with them. When we don't share, we exclude. May we never call anyone not good enough to share the gospel with. Like Peter, may we not hesitate to go down and share the gospel, no matter how different, no matter how unlike us, no matter how fearful, no matter how uncomfortable, may we go down and share. For God's message in Acts 10 is that Jesus is for everyone, and we must share him with all, whatever your tribe, your time, your people, your nation, your status, your color, your economic status, your background. The good news is this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Let's pray. Will you please take a moment right now, just between you and God. Let's just spend just a few moments. Firstly, if you are like Cornelius, maybe religious, doing lots of good works, or you might be an atheist, God is telling you, it is through me that you can have life and forgiveness and eternity. Surrender to me as your Lord and Savior, and you will live, live forever. You will know my love and know my life. If that's you, I want to encourage you this morning to take a step and just tell him, Lord, 
I surrender my life to you. I believe in you. I want to follow you today. God will come into your life by his spirit and will empower you to do that if you genuinely open your heart to him today. For us who are followers of Jesus, may the Lord forgive us. Lord, forgive me. Lord, change us like you changed Peter more and more of not excluding anyone from our life. Our cousins, our relatives, our friends, the people we work with, would you please forgive us for not loving them like you love them, for not caring for them like you care for them. Enough to share you with them. Please, Father, pour your spirit in our hearts afresh. Give us a holy boldness and a holy love that goes beyond our comfort, our beliefs, our prejudice, our favoritism. May we share you with all. For you are for everyone. And without you, there is no life. But with you, there is everything. We give you praise. We give you honor. May you empower us to do that. In Jesus' name, amen.